Welcome to another edition of the Injury Prevention Academy brought to you by Dorn Companies. For over 20 years, Dorn has been the nation's leading wellness-based pain management and injury prevention company. Through our customized ergonomic education, training, and tech solutions, Dorn has helped nearly 120,000 employees over that time. With an annual ROI of nearly 600%, we have saved employers over $100 million in workers' comp and healthcare costs. I'll be your host, Cheryl Roy, and we will be diving into the various facets of all things safety in the working environment. Good afternoon. My name is Cheryl Roy, and today's podcast brought to you by Dorn Companies is going to be with Ms. Cherise Fugel of Blue EQ. Sharice uh, is a consultant with Blue EQ. Uh, they work with organizations around the globe to bring emotional intelligence and psychological safety also called psych safety, training and development. She's been fascinated with human behavior and what makes us tick. She believes that the better we understand ourselves and those around us, the better quality life and relationships we will have. So she is a South African born and raised after moving to Utah with her family. She learned more about e- uh, Blue EQ behavioral methodologies of teaching and knew she wanted to be a part of bringing these important topics and learnings to organizations around the world. So I will take this opportunity to say hello to Ms. Sharice. How are you today? Hi, Cheryl. I'm good. Thank you. So good to see you again. And thanks for having me today. Good to see you as well. Appreciate you taking the time out of your day. So I would like to begin. Uh, The demand for emotional skills has grown about 26% by 2030. And workers with high EQ make about 29,000 more per year on average. And about 36% of people in the world are emotionally intelligent. Uh, Can you talk a little bit more about EQ being a hot topic right now? Um, What is emotional intelligence and how does it intersect with the psychology of safety in the workplace? Yeah, perfect. Great question. So, you know, the term emotional intelligence has been around for a couple of decades uh, and it's really, you know, translates to our ability to have interpersonal skills and and relationships. It really is our self-awareness, you know, with our thoughts, our feelings and our behaviors. So the more emotionally intelligent we are, the more we're able to have more self-control, self-regulation. And then added to that, it's also our ability to, you know, observe others and their thoughts and feelings and behaviors and and really to be able to be more socially effective. Having good emotional intelligence skills is a very big part of that. Um, The way I also like to describe it is EQ, you know, the acronym for emotional intelligence is EQ, is I like to say it's that gap between stimulus and response. You know, we've got stimuli coming our way all the time in different factors at home, at work, wherever we're at. And it's our ability to actually apply our wise mind and how we're going to respond as opposed to have a knee-jerk reaction. So that's really what emotional intelligence is. Um, And the good news about emotional intelligence, it's not set in stone. It's something that we can learn and grow and develop. Um, What psychological safety is, now that's a newer, I guess a newer buzzword in the, you know, yeah, not as many people are familiar with psychological safety, and it's not necessarily what you think it is. So psychological safety pertains to when there's a group of people, a group of people working together, teams, organizations, um, essentially where there's a shared belief within a group of people, there's a safe place to speak up, people feel like they have a voice, they feel like they're able to take risks, to challenge, to ask questions, to make suggestions. Um, and it's really a place where people also feel like they belong. You know, I think at the end of the day, we're all tribes people and we all kind of want to feel like we belong 
part of the group and that we are we're seen and that we're met, we matter within that group. Um, and why is that important? Well, the science is now coming out, and this is the great thing about the, the studies that are coming out these days. The science these days are showing that when teams are psychologically safe or have psychological safety, beautiful things start happening, you know, within teams. There's more innovation, there's more collaboration, there's more um, discretionary effort. Uh, you know, there's less turnover within groups. We, we essentially flourish to our fullest potential when we have psychological safety within our groups. And if you really think about it, it's it's natural. You know, it's, it's really taking the fear out of the equation, if I could put it that way. Having a climate where there's no fear in that, in, in that climate. And when we are provided with that type of climate, we're actually given the ability to really flourish as human beings to our fullest potential. So is this thought process meant to be not just for like workers in your industry, but the industry in and of itself all the way around? So it's also meant for upper management, HR, and then as it trickles down to the other people in a company, it's meant for all, I'm assuming, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Wherever there's groups of people, right? And the interesting thing is the study is also showing that it's really the leaders within a organization that dictate the tone of psychological safety. So it's really, really important for um, leaders to understand these concepts and also know how to translate them and actually provide, you know, this type of platform and, and, and climate uh, for their teams, especially if they want to have, you know, the best outcomes for business, you know, productivity, well-being, um, just really good business and career impact is really going to have, there's a direct correlation between psychological safety um, and, and that kind of impact. And it really is important from leaders and helping everyone understand all the way through the organization that, you know, it's, it's important and it's a climate that really matters to them. So in a, uh, a work environment. Um, I know that there are emotional intelligence categories. How does that get conveyed to, how does the leader convey that to their staff or their employees? And how is it being, how well are you guys being received? How is that being taken on by employees where they do feel safe expressing being the squeaky wheel, so to speak? Yeah, you know, and it's really being able to provide the platform. I think, you know, we have a lot of organizations approaching us with these kind of questions, like how do we do this in a way that's effective and why is it important? You know, I think there's been a paradigm shift, um, Cheryl, you know, since the pandemic, quite frankly, right. you know, where there's been a, you know, the great resignation and, and the way things have changed dramatically, um, you know, organizations are starting to realize that what used to be considered the softer skills are now getting the harder results, right? It's right. people matter, you know, you can have an organization, but if you don't have people within that organization, you've got nothing. So how are you investing in these people and how are you taking, helping them give them the toolkits, you know, to provide these kind of climates where they feel like they matter, they feel like they belong, there's less turnover, you know, they're not going to look for greener pastures on the other side. And a lot of that comes with education. You know, the, sure. the biggest problem is is that we were never really formally taught on this stuff. You know, none of us really. I wish they would teach it from schools, um, you know, areas. But it's really helping educate, you know, the organizations from the, lead, the leaders all the way down on these concepts and why they are important and how it's going to have a direct effect um, on their teams and, and, and their work. So since the pandemic, and I know Dorn as a company has addressed this as well. And again, the pandemic was a whole new a whole new box of mess that we had to deal with where I feel like a lot of companies, no matter what avenue you were in, 
had to be more reactive to something that has popped across the world. Um, it sounds like Blue EQ, a lot like Dorn, is wanting to be more proactive these days uh, in anticipation of problems coming up ahead so that people can be more prepared. Um, can you provide mm -hmm. a few examples of how emotional intelligence training has led to improved safety awareness and possibly injury prevention within organizations? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great question. The, the reality is, is emotional intelligence, you know, the more emotionally resilient we are, um, the more we're able to cope with change and unexpected circumstances, you know, lack of resources, all these things that we're often hearing about from organizations, and especially that leadership's dealing with, you know, and it's, it causes things like burnout, right? Oh, yeah. um, but, the, but the more emotionally resilient we are, the more we're able to cope with those stresses and strains, you know, that tension. And that cause and effect relationship is how you also get when you're under that stress and that strain how you're dealing with your teams and are you providing that psychological safety for your teams and especially when troublesome or changing times come about you want to be able because everyone's going under that stress right and right. when that's happening so you want to give people the toolkit the framework very often a common language is also helpful to use you know and um, when it comes to these types of initiatives so when these times um, occur, like you say, it's more preemptive. So you're being skilled up for that kind of resilience. Um, but you also have that platform in that climate already to have the hard conversations. You know, psychological safety is about having constructive feedback, you know, having accountability. Um, it's being able to not have that fear of speaking up when there is a problem and mentioning that problem, you know, or bringing those ideas. So it's really going to help you go through those more difficult times uh, in a more smoother fashion without, for example, dealing with people who are just leaving in droves or even worse, quiet quitting, right? People who are there um, just to get the work done. And the problem is if you're not getting the feedback from your team, how do you know where the mistakes are? How do you know where the possible areas of risks are? You know, if someone doesn't, if they're not see, saying something when they see something to prevent injury, um, that can be a problem. So it's really, you know, giving people that skill set to do so. So when employees are giving their feedback or anybody giving their, their feedback, is it done anonymously? Is it done? And Joe said this, how are you, how are you guys tackling that? Again, I think anonymity has become like the squeaky wheel concept that some people don't want to complain if something hurts because they don't want to be taken off of their position and be perceived as a possible problem. And then for they go ahead and just deal with whatever their issue is, which obviously perpetuates a problem down the road. Yeah, you're right. You know, and that's what that interpersonal risk is, right? People are afraid yeah. that there's going to be repercussions for saying something or um, for speaking out or for looking stupid, whatever it might be. Right. And that's, and that's where the leadership skill is really important is to help people understand, hey, I want to hear about problems that are coming up. I need your engagement. The more we collaborate together, the better we can learn from our mistakes faster and prevent them from carrying on, you know, and, and continuing. On the other side, we also do have um, tools and mechanisms that we utilize, uh, to your point, especially if your organization is really large and people want to find out and you know, get a good measuring dipstick. Where is our psychological safety within the organization? We do have things like assessments that can be utilized oh, okay. um, to, to measure, you know, that are anonymous. If you really want to get positive, you know, honest feedback, because what we do see a lot, Cheryl, is sometimes what management thinks psychological safety is within their teams and their departments, it's not what the people are experiencing within the teams. 
you know right so sometimes there is that discrepancy and there's and we can do gap analyses to help people find out okay is there a discrepancy and if there is where is it and that just gives us more data on where we need to be focusing you know the the, the behavior changed um with that but it's really it's it's up to leaders to say listen we want to hear from you giving them the platform and making it a positive experience you know where if you do say something you bring something up you're not going to be reprimanded for it in that way and and letting them know that we you know they want uh, they want their input to really make it a better you know a better organization a better a better safety for everybody across the board um there is actually a, a CEO from a mining company in South Africa, uh, Anglo Gold, uh, Cynthia Carroll. She was the first CEO in um, mining in, in South Africa. And she actually said that all her, she was very unhappy with the levels of um, accidents and fatalities within the mining industry. And she said it was unacceptable. Um, and she actually wanted to find out, right, how are we going to improve this? And she wanted to get everybody's input and engagement. And she was met with a lot of resistance. You know, we're saying, hey, you know, things have always been this way. People don't follow, you know, correct protocols, kind of shut down in that sense. And she said, no, this is not acceptable. She actually shut down operations for a certain amount of time to bring all those employees in and to get their input, break them up in teams and to actually find out you know, how can we do things better? So it can be done. We just have to sometimes get over our own limiting beliefs and it's always been done that way. Yeah, to peel the layers away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, my next question would be as far as psychological safety uh, and managing multi-generational your work environment. I like to call them legends of the industry. At one of the sites that I work at, we've got everyone from just out of school to I have worked here 30 years. Um, how are your generations accepting of uh, Blue EQ and everything it has to offer? Is there, is there a discrepancy? Is it treated differently depending on age bracket? You know, it's something I hear about a lot when I'm working with my clients. You know, it's it's an interesting time in human history that we live. There's five different generations in the workforce at the moment. First time in human history ever. So it definitely brings on some complex, you know, complex um, discussions and um, belief systems, value systems, um, you know, so... And I think it also speaks a little bit to the um, the paradigm shift that we were talking about beforehand. You know, the value systems of the younger generation are not the same as, for example, the boomers, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be very difficult and frustrating working uh, within these, these different dynamics and getting people to collaborate in a way that's effective. Um, and that brings up hard conversations, you know, and you have to be able to have that psychological safety where people feel like they have a voice they can speak up, but also understand it's a place of accountability and it's a place of candor, uh, you know, at the same time. Um, and it's training people and giving them the tools, the toolkits, especially within the leadership roles on how to manage those dynamics, you know, be self-aware of how, how is that leader showing up, you know, to begin with, to provide the platform to, to help with these conversations. Um, you know, with the younger generations, they are kind of demanding a psychologically safe environment uh, you know with the millennials it's something that they seek after when it comes to employees and they're looking for work um, and they're the largest workforce at the moment so it's you know it's, it's kind of a case of um, if you want to stay relevant and you want to be a sought after employer a psychological safety in that type of environment is something that they're really looking for 
So what are the uh, common misconceptions or myths that you guys come across as an obstacle uh, to take this opportunity to debunk any of those things? What are the biggest, I guess, question marks people have with psychological safety? Yeah, sure. Um, number, I think the biggest one that we get is that it's a, it's it's being nice, you know, being nice <laughs> all the time. It's not it's not the case. Uh, quite frankly, it's it, you know you can be really candid with it, right? But it's yeah. also not necessarily what you say; it's how you say it, and that's where emotional intelligence comes into play. You know, you have to be able to to understand that. Um, the other side is also really where people think it's job security. Oh, okay. You know, it doesn't matter what happens. Um, I've got my job security. No, there's still standards, you know, and employers still need to have their standards, but there's a direct correlation between your level of standard and um, your psychological safety. And you want to be on that upper, you know, quadrant where you have high standards and high psychological safety. Um, I'll say some of the other ones, it's not all touchy feely, you know, in that regard. <laughs> Um, but it's really just giving people the platform to be open and to voice their opinion and actually to feel like you're going to listen to it. Right. You know, sure, I think we've all been in situations before where, you know, people say, management say they want engagement, but then we all know it's going to fall on deaf ears. What are they going to do about it anyways? Yeah. Right? They really mean it. Yeah, exactly. And so what happens is people start shutting down and if they start shutting down and, you know, they're not going to be able to, they're not going to, you know, provide input where that can help solve problems faster, help prevent risks, you know, and injury. Um, so it's really, really important to understand that it's, it's not all airy fairy and kumbaya. <laughs> I can say that. Well, speaking of the kumbaya, uh, I do understand that you had a, a blog recently about psychological safety. It actually is called It's Not All Kumbaya. Um, as far as how leaders can create this atmosphere of safety as well as their accountability, um, are there steps that organizations can take to identify and mitigate potential uh, psychological safety risks? You know, I think number one, awareness is key, right? We can't change what we don't know. So we have to be aware of the current behaviors that are happening within the organization. Um, and that's why when we're training, we're training a lot on uh, you know, emotional intelligence, psychological safety, it's all behaviors, it's how we're showing up. So I think number one is educating, uh, you know, in doing so. Um, number two is also allow the platform for good, constructive, timely feedback, especially if you're dealing with industries that are high risk, you know, when it comes to human life and, and human error. Um, there's, a, there's a wonderful example given by a psychologist, Dr. Amy Edmondson. She's a professor um, from Harvard Business School, and she's done a lot of work on psychological safety. Um, and she gives the perfect example on how, you know, um, psychological safety can have, can have a direct effect on human safety where there was a nurse who was in the NICU um, doing her rounds with patients and uh, she found out well she was coming over one patient's chart and she saw that the medication that the doctor um, prescribed seemed a little high and excessive you know and she questioned this and thought to herself okay well is that right but she had a negative experience with her with this particular doctor within the past you know whenever she did bring up something like that um, so because of that negative experience, she thought, you know what, he's the doctor, he knows what's right, I'm sure I'm just going to go ahead and administer the medication. So fear of um, questioning the hierarchy, basically. Exactly, right. yeah, and that's where that interpersonal risk is, right? Like, sure. okay, it's just too high for me to even go there, you know, and to bring it up. Um, 
And long story short, it was the incorrect, you know, medication. Um, luckily, the patient did not die or anything like that, but it could have been. And that's a perfect exactly. example of how not being psychologically safe within teams and environments can have a direct cause and effect um, to the physical safety of people, you know, involved in that process. I, I can understand being afraid of that, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of concept there. Um, I'd like to hope that a lot of people are just better safe than sorry and no matter what the embarrassment might be later on because you can you can save someone's life with it and that's that's everything um i hope that, that a lot of people in general just can get embrace this and yeah. the world could be a better place in that regard um as far as industry specific are there specific industries where this need is going to have more of a calling than say something else is there are you industry specific where you're really trying to reach like a construction or oil or you know what we are not we are not industry specific i mean this really applies to everybody and anyone sure. where there are teams of people working together and the reality is these days um most of our jobs in there, and they foresee our jobs going, you know, in the future or team based, you know, so we need the psychological safety to be there, whether it's from an, an emotional well being psychological safety, you know, standpoint, or to the physical, you know, side, I mean, we work with a lot of organizations within healthcare, as I mentioned, sure. um, with that, we even have construction industries, we have manufacturing industry, you know, you even got um, aviation, wherever, and especially where bodily harm can come to people, you know, you want to have people to be able to um, be aware of these concepts and give space to say, hey, we need to um, bring awareness to areas that need to be changed and challenged, even necessarily, you know, to prevent um, any kind of harm. But again, you know, it is so important for I think everyone to realize that it's really the leaders in an in a organization that are going to dictate their tone. You know, so it's it's really imperative that they understand these principles and are able to translate that to their teams. So is there a, a personality type that can influence their perception of personal safety or willingness to engage in these kinds of protocols? Uh, are there more difficult people versus easier people? Um, I think naturally we work with different types of humans, right? So you might get... <laughs> You might get to, I know, you know, if we go, we don't really work on personality types in the sense of, um, you know, with your emotional intelligence, it's not like your personality, it's not set in stone, so it can change. Right. But yet your personality can have an influence, right, on how you do things and process things. So you might get some people who are, you know, more drivers, more um, egocentric, if I could call it that, in certain ways, and might not be naturally as responsive to getting that feedback that they might need and handling that feedback in a way that's productive, you know. Um, and perhaps the introvert is also going to be less likely to want to speak up about something, you know, in certain situations where they're an employee or so. But I think it's, you know, we find that when people really start understanding the reasons why this matters, um, it starts breaking down those barriers, you know, and when organizations can bring this through as, you know, they support this type um, of, of management and, and and this type of mindset, because it really is a mindset, right? You sure. know, I mean, when we're teaching, we're talking about behaviors that, that create psychological safety, but it's also a mindset eventually. Eventually you start seeing people thinking that way from within and um yeah so I, I appreciate the mindset shift because I think 
as an employee, it takes over. It's, it gives you autonomy to not to do your job better. You are taking ownership of how you're perceived, how you function, how you excel, and whether that's working whatever you're doing to create the cog or taking on the yeah. mindset. I feel like it's a wonderful tool for people to be able to have. Um, with that, I have a question regarding, is there an example of like a great success story that you have where uh, Blue EQ was not involved in a certain uh, scenario or site and then it was and how that, how the whole transaction went from here to here and it was successful for you or for your team? Well, you know, we actually worked with a manufacturing organization that um, they wanted to really, they were having a lot of issues with the organization, high turnover, low trust, um, you know, just not a very good work culture and environment. And it was really affecting the business in, in a negative way. Um, so they, you know, they, they brought us on as consultants to really help figure out what the issue is. And we use some data analysis, you know, within their different groups and gap analyses. Um, because the reality, Cheryl, is that when you have an organization, what's happening in one department as far as psychological safety can be very different to the next. Sure. Yeah. Makes sense. You know, again, that's why it differs, you know, according to the uh, the leadership, you know, and the style that's happening in there. So it was helping them get that correlation and, and, and data, number one, of where the gaps are and then what is it that we need to be really training on to help improve that. And it, it was helping train the leaders on emotional intelligence skills because it can be a difficult thing to work on, right? A lot of people go, sure. okay, it's nice to know, but how do you go about that? That's that's a different question. And that's really, you know, where, it, you know, we help people get, again, measurement tools to see where their strengths and their weaknesses are and really tailor the training to what it is that they need. Um, and how that was actually able to translate directly, you know, after a 90, 120 day process, because, the reality is these things don't take change overnight. They take time, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, so we've got to be patient. And it's mostly through being conscious and aware of what we're doing it and how we're doing it and practice, 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 you know, and that's, and that's really what we're helping people to do. And there was a direct correlation to the level of increased, you know, within trust um, and, and the psychological safety within the, the groups and organizations, which also leads directly to an increase of output. Um, so yeah, absolutely something that we we can measure and and see within organizations. So for those of us who are listening who don't have a official Blue Cube, some kind of protocol in the environment, are there any practical steps that you can provide some individuals to help cultivate their own emotional intelligence and help contribute to the safety in their workplace? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, number one, awareness is key, right? Um, be aware of how you're showing up and and how you're affecting those around you number one and you know create a platform where people are free to discuss this kind of thing let them know it you know maybe because you think oh I always, people are welcome to come and talk to me about things and i do have that kind of mentality unless you're telling them they're not going to know and you really have to remind people constantly on that you know and providing that platform to do so um, I mean, a perfect example is when, you know, when a leader walks into the room and goes, hey, you know, we want to discuss ideas for so-and-so. This is what I think. What are you, what are your guys' ideas? Um, well, you've already told them what you think. So no one's really going to go challenge that, you know? Um, so it's really having that kind of emotional tension as you go, okay, right, bring your ideas forward and then we can discuss it, you know, collaboratively. So there's many ways to do these things. Um, that's, that's just an example, but I think most importantly, provide the platform for people to be open, to be vulnerable, 
for yourself to have empathy. I think at being an empathetic leader as well and providing um, providing a place with constructive feedback is, is celebrated. Um, it's not a place of being scared and uh, being productive with that feedback, you know. Um, I think those are some basic steps. But if you're struggling to understand, you know, where your weaknesses and strengths might be, um, there are measuring tools where you can go take EQ assessments, psychological safety assessments, especially if your organizations are really big and it's tough to, you know, figure that out. Um, there are there are tools available for that. Excellent. So, Ms. Sharice, if people wanted to get more information about you and your program and somehow bringing in Blue EQ into their environment, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, wonderful. So they can go to our website, blueeq.com, if they want to see that overall. Um, if they want to contact me directly, uh, my email address is cfugal, F-U-G-A-L, at blueeq.com. And uh, you can also reach us at 435-554-1501. I want to thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Again, this is Sharice Fugel of Blue EQ, and she works with organizations around the globe to bring emotional intelligence and psychological safety training and development to everybody, which sounds extremely necessary. And I wish you the best of luck. My name is Cheryl Roy, and this is the, uh, the Dorn services that we bring to you are, uh, Injury Prevention Academy. So thank you for tuning in, Ms. Sharice. Again, it was so wonderful to have you on. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Cheryl.